When it comes to the population growth of Australia, discussions are often heated. In the space of less than 50 years, our population will double. Centred around how many more people we should let in. The Prime Minister wants a debate about immigration. And the pressures on our infrastructure and cities. Bursting at the, seams. the roads are clogged, the buses and the trains are full, the schools are taking no more enrolments. These are the population conversations taking place in public forums. But how often do we hear about the caps individuals put on their own families? I feel guilty to consider bringing another child into an overpopulated world. Maybe the key to our survival is to not have children. And so this is a story about the population policies drafted in people's homes. Because we did see the huge environmental impact having a baby could have, let alone essentially putting another human being on the planet. This is Think Sustainability. I'm Nina Kopel. Hi, my name's Phoebe. Phoebe's from Sydney, but she's living in Singapore. And she spoke to me from her office at work. It's an old old like shop house building that's been renovated it's really cool actually what's happening around you um i went to a storeroom in this building because i thought it's going to be really quiet and closed and they're having a party next door <laughs> <laughs> what are they celebrating i have no idea it was a lunar new year party she messaged to tell me later i saw a sushi platter so it sounds like it's a good party phoebe got married when she was 19 which is exciting and a little counter-conventional, I think. But before Phoebe married her now husband, there were a few important discussions to be had. When we were planning to get married, we decided to talk about children because this can be a point of contention for couples sometimes. And um, he wanted to have kids and I didn't really want to. And we thought, well, let's just get married anyway because we'll figure that out later. And um, <laughs> of the years that we've been together we've changed actually changed our perspective a little bit and you know what the funny thing is people ask me sometimes oh so when are you planning on having children and I say actually I don't want children ever and they say oh what you don't want kids and they're so surprised and they say oh well you might change your mind one day you're only you know, 24 or 22 or whatever, however old I was at this conversation. Oh, you're so young, maybe you'll change your mind in the future. But no one ever, ever suggested that my husband might change his mind about children in the future. And that's actually exactly what happened. Actually, he doesn't want kids now. And if we decide together that we want to have children, we don't want to have our own children. So actually, he was the one to change his mind, not me. I think I haven't even asked you the most important question probably in the context of the story, which is, why don't you want to have kids? Why don't I? Yeah, why not? Well, there's lots of reasons, really. The strongest of them, in good conscience, I don't think I can bring a child into the world in the state that it's in. I know that the future of the planet and the future of food security and water security and climate is really dire and, like, apocalyptic, kind of scary so in good faith, I feel guilty to consider bringing another child into an overpopulated world. When you say the state of the world and you talk about bringing a child into the world looking like it currently does, 
What is it that scares you? Is it the fact that the child would have to grow up in that world or that you're contributing to the world being in that state? That the child would have to deal with it. By the time that they'd be able to make real decisions for themselves, like when they're, I guess, probably a teenager, then, I mean, the world will have already become this place that they don't have control over. Like the, like it's already, like climate change is already going to be happening and positive feedbacks in like ice caps and stuff are already going to be in place. So they have no control over those kinds of um, environmental outcomes when they're of an age that they would be able to, if that makes sense. Generally, there are two reasons people choose to not have kids for the environment. One is Phoebe's reason, that the future is too scary and unpredictable to bring a child into. But there's another potential reason. Okay, so my name's Mark. I'm from Melbourne. Uh, I'm 40-ish in age and I work as a graphic designer. I visited Mark in his apartment one Saturday to chat about life and babies and the environment. I think when I grew up, it was just the social expectation that in order to be happy, you have to meet somebody, have children, have a family, buy a house, have grandkids. Just that general, this is a path to happiness and to self-satisfaction. And I think, I guess... There is a, 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 us being animals, there is a natural urge to want to reproduce. I mean, that's, it's a driving force amongst all creatures on the planet, really. Mark says things changed for him as he grew up and he realised the extent of inequality in the world. Because the planet's getting so overcrowded now, maybe the key to our survival is to not have children. And um, this came, this belief was really highlighted. I was listening to another podcast of American guys, Stuff You Should Know. They did a podcast on altruism and they were talking about how squirrels don't necessarily always breed. There will be squirrels that won't have babies, but they'll instead collect nuts to ensure that the other squirrel couples in their tribe or whatever have enough food to last for the winter. So I see that not having children is a way to ensure that other kids survive. Which I think is more important than having kids with my genes. I don't think it's that important, really. I mean, even when I walked in, you said that your partner is currently with a friend of hers who's a single mum with your baby's turning yeah. one. Can you tell me about some of the kids that I suppose you have in your life and what that's like? For my partner in particular, she's an art teacher at a primary school. So that's another thing is that she's surrounded by kids every day and the school she works at has a lot of disadvantaged kids and a lot of refugee kids and I feel like she invests a lot of time into them. But for myself, it's just... Yeah, it's just friends. I mean, we grew up in share houses and have formed really close friendships and probably a lot of my friends are closer than my family. Kids are fun to hang out with. They're awesome. I mean, I appreciate their honesty and I like to, as a photographer, I like to show kids how cameras work or as an artist, I like to draw with kids and uh, just in general... It's nice to pass knowledge on 
to young people without them exclusively being yours, I suppose. Like your friends all went off and made other friends for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. But for Mark, raising the next generation right isn't just about being there for his friends and their kids. It's about reimagining the world they're brought up in. This is one thing that's always bugged me out is the idea that, I mean, a nuclear family, is does that exist just to support capitalism? Is it this idea that in a suburb, every family has to have their own lawnmower so they can mow their lawn instead of having one lawnmower and everyone sharing it? And it's the same with children. It's like, I think there's a quote that it takes a village to raise a child. And I feel these days it's it's a lot more like that with my friends in that we're all uncles or we're all aunties to the kids and we all input on raising that child. And it's not just a mum and a dad and two and a half kids in a house. It's a bigger thing. And the internet also is another thing where it's bringing strangers together and it's, it's, you know, maybe it's bringing the tribe back, but in a more modern way with, with science and modern tools at hand. And all we got to do is shake off some of our old beliefs to embrace the new world. But this new world would mean a radical change to the way we structure our society. There are all kinds of adverse impacts that we humans are having on the environment and many of them are proportional to population size so the bigger the population is the worse they become this is graham pike an adjunct professor at uts in the school of environmental science and he says the root of this problem lies in economics so indeed many economists believe in fact their whole lives are based upon the notion that we can have infinite growth and a lot of uh, modern-day economics is founded on that principle. Which means politicians have always taken interest in our rates of baby-making. For example, our former treasurer, Peter Costello, who famously said, look, I think everybody should have three kids, one for mum, one for dad, and one for the country. He said that in 2006. Well, if everybody, all families had three kids, that would be an enormous growth rate. As it is, our growth rate is about 1.5% per annum. We're actually at a 1.6% per annum growth rate, according to the Australian Bureau of Statistics. It doesn't sound like much, but given it works on the same basis as compound interest, that amounts to a population doubling between 30 and 40 years. And that's huge. We don't have the resources to support that. It's simple. And while politicians often focus on what this will mean for public transport congestion and classroom sizes, they rarely discuss the environmental toll this will take. Graham Pike says that to address this problem, we have to stop multiplying it. So if couples choose to have one fewer kid, that's the biggest thing that that will change uh, the world. Um, Well, originally my partner and I had wanted to have three kids. I don't know where that number came from. It was just something that we'd spoken about. This is Katie from Queensland, mother of one, not three. I work in publishing and I'm also a veterinary technology student at the University of Queensland. I spoke with Katie while Queensland was experiencing some pretty extreme weather. 
Yeah, it's really, really windy here today because that cyclone is like slowly heading towards Brisbane, so... Which is relevant to the story. But this story starts with a baby. Uh, We had our first child in May in 2017. And by that stage, I'd already done a lot of, you know, study in in the science space and had always had an interest in conservation particularly. And I actually came across this great little graphic. I think I was writing an assignment for an environmental subject I was doing. A study published in the Journal of Environmental Research Letters in 2017, like just a handful of months after my son was born. And the kind of biggest impact that you could have in terms of your environmental footprint was having one fewer child than you were planning to have. And uh, I sent the graphic to my husband and it just kind of started a conversation around, you know, what were the long-term impacts that we could have environmentally because, you know, we recycled, we used cloth nappies and, you know, we try not to use too much plastic. We try and eat more of a plant-based diet. Like there were a lot of things there that we were kind of already doing. But when you look at it on this graphic, when you see that, you know, have one fewer child, it's kind of nearly double even something like living a car-free life. Um, And we liked the idea that when time came and and we would be gone, we were kind of only replacing one of us. So there would be one less person kind of within our little family tree than there would have been before. Katie and her partner never discussed having zero kids to mitigate their environmental impact. I think we knew we always wanted to have one. But she went into motherhood determined to be as sustainable as possible. For us, definitely the the disposable nappy um, issue was a big one for us. I did a lot of research when I was pregnant about which cloth nappies I would use, what they were made of, all that kind of stuff, just to avoid disposable nappies as much as I could. But the sustainable choice isn't always the easy choice. We we really, I personally really struggled with postnatal depression, and I think it is at least for me, the the expectation and the portrayal of um, mothers in particular in the media that you really build up an idea in your head of what being a mother is going to be like and what having a newborn is going to be like, that you you have this instant affection and love for them and that it's natural and that breastfeeding is easy and that, you know, dressing them or bathing them is just this cute, fun experience. Um, And it just so was not like that for me. And, you know, and then there's the guilt about, you know, am I, am I a good mother? This isn't coming naturally to me. What's wrong with me? And then you switch over and you do things that do make your life a bit easier, like, you know, using disposable nappies or just going out and buying some new outfits because you need them and it's just the easiest thing to do. So you're constantly in battle with yourself and it's really not the time to do that. (laughs) It's, you know, you just do not have the mental capacity to um, constantly be battling with yourself and have this constant guilt hanging over you no matter what you do. Because, yeah, if you, you know, you go for cloth nappies and you persevere with that, it might mean that instead of sleeping and getting the rest and recovery that you need after such a massive event in your life like, like birth, you're hand-washing nappies and hanging them out on the line and bringing them in and putting them away. You're listening to Think Sustainability. I'm Nina Kopel. Talking with Katie made me think about how complicated our decisions are, that choosing to put the environment first can come with personal consequences. 
personal decisions along the lines of someone perhaps like yourself saying, I care so much about the environment, I'm going to choose to have you know, fewer kids. I think that's putting a, a big onus on individuals. This is Graham Pike again from UTS. I don't think we can realistically expect too many individuals to make those kind of decisions. And when we take on these challenges as individuals, there's only so much impact we can have. If, if one more person tells me that environmental action makes a big difference, I will eat my fucking hat. <laughs> Why? <laughs> it, it actually doesn't make a huge contribution. It really doesn't. You know, you, any Australian that tries to get their environmental footprint down to um, they, some tools measure it as how many planets your life uses... If any Australian tries to get their environmental footprint down to using less than one planet's worth of resources, it's not possible because of the way that our whole society is engineered. And it's beyond, it probably is beyond politics as well because it's the way our, our society works. It's the way our system is. I mean, we live in like huge cities. Don't, we don't live in tribes. We have strange family things, you know, we work, we have the corporate world and the financial world. It's just not really com- compatible with individual action making a huge difference. It's just not built that way. And I know it's a really nice idea to think that, that, that one person or that myself can make a huge impact, but it's, not, it's just not like this. It really doesn't go like this. In the same note, couldn't you say with that in mind, well, if nothing I can do can make a difference, what difference is one more life? It's not about bringing one life into the world. It's out of compassion for that life. Yeah. Like I, I don't want to inflict harm on them yeah. and to bring them into the world that's going to happen is going to inflict harm. And so Phoebe doesn't have too much faith in our politicians. Sometimes I look at, at world leaders making decisions and like people policies going backwards and stuff. And I just think, do do, do we not know how urgent this is? Do do they not realise that this is so urgent and this is like on our, this is on our doorstep and it's, it's, it's happening already. Why don't, why don't, why isn't anyone appreciating the urgency of the situation? I really am stuck for an answer. Graham Pike believes there is a way that governments could step in and help Australians plan for the future. There was, when I was much younger, maybe before you were born, a thing called the child bonus, where you actually received money if you had a child. Well, that's a positive incentive for people to have more children. Uh, You can reduce that incentive by just taking it away, or you could have a system where uh, people had to pay extra tax as a a cost of having more children. So those kinds of incentives or disincentives that governments have the power to enact that will encourage or discourage people having kids. But this doesn't seem likely anytime soon. While Australians have always had population policies within their own homes, Australia as a nation has only just adopted one. It's 42 pages long and focuses on infrastructure and capping immigration. The impact of a growing human population on our planet? That is barely even mentioned. There's a famous, though probably apocryphal, story about this that relates to a French politician who's standing on the street talking with someone and he sees this group of people walk past and he says, oh my goodness, I better catch up with them because I am their leader. 
I don't know if our leaders will ever catch up with the Australians who are factoring the environment into their personal population policies. But we can always hope that the next generation of leaders will. I guess for us as well, we've made um, the environment and cultural awareness a big part of our home life and, and the education of our child as well. We have a, an animal conservation book that he absolutely loves to read about the kind of top seven or eight most endangered animals on the planet and it explains in there why they're endangered and a lot of it is around environmental reasons, deforestation and things like that. So it's kind of a constant topic of talk in our house. So we're hoping, I guess, that even though we've brought another being into the world and that they do have that impact, that hopefully the choices that we can educate them to make from the very start will counterbalance that in some way and that at least going into a potentially very scary future, they'll be aware of all of those things and can hopefully be an advocate for that as, as hopefully we have been to some extent as well. So hopefully we're trying to balance the fear with positivity, I suppose is the best way to put it. Think Sustainability is made possible with the support of the University of Technology Sydney and heard around Australia on the Community Radio Network. The show is made in the studios of 2SER, which lie on Gadigal land of the Eora Nation, whose people's sovereignty was never ceded. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. I'm Nina Kopel. Thanks for listening.